Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. The SJ VK continues. Sean Carey here, Steve Jones Show, Sunbury Motors Studio, Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip where it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Steve's going to be back on Tuesday. We will have Phillies baseball Monday afternoon here on WKOK. The Phillies will be starting a four-game weekend series with the Braves, and that includes a Monday matinee matchup. And that'll be at Citizens Bank Park. We'll have uh, the on-deck show tonight, 6.30, here on WKOK with Jim Jackson, then Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson with the call at 7.05. Jeremy Hellickson, uh, at this point, will be on the mound tonight for the Fightins. Uh, the record of 6-5 and is still scheduled to start. Jake Thompson will replace him if sometime between now and the next few hours if uh, the Phillies make a... A deal, but nothing close at this moment, according to published reports. So that's going to be the interesting thing between the series opener tonight and then the final game in the series on Monday. If there's going to be uh, changes in both rosters, Phillies and Braves, uh, 4 p.m. Monday is the trade deadline. Braves enter this weekend series four games under 500. They're three and seven in their last ten. Phillies are 35 and 64. So yes, the general managers will be staying busy on the phones as the Phillies and Braves will be meeting for their third series of the season. Phillies five and two against Atlanta. They swept them during a three-game series at home back in April. Pirates tonight are on the West Coast. They're going to be opening up a series with San Diego. And that's going to be crucial for the Pirates to sweep this weekend. Uh, they're currently in third. They're tied with the Cardinals. Overall record, both of them are 50 and 52 with four and a half games out of first. Uh, the Cubs have taken over first place again. The Cubs were five and a half games out of first place at the All-Star break. They have moved into sole possession of first only nine games later. So this is the time for the Buccos to make some hay. Crucial to get a sweep this weekend out in San Diego. All right, we will have on the best of the Steve Jones show today, Tim Frazier. Had him on a couple of weeks ago. Tim joined us from Las Vegas at NBA Summer League. And of course, we found out during the NBA draft that he was traded from New Orleans to the Washington Wizards. So he is now... John Wall's backup uh, within the past week. Uh, John Wall re-signed with the Washington Wizards. I believe it was a four-year, $170 million deal, one of them super deals. So we'll talk to Tim in just a few. And then later on, we'll have more. Why not? Let's just make it a Tim hour. Tim Frazier and then Tim Kirkshin. Tim Tim Kirkshin, ESPN Baseball Tonight. Uh, Kirkshin will be in Williamsport for the Little League World Series. And, of course, we catch him every Sunday nights on 
ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball coverage. They'll have the Little League Classic at Bowman Field on August the 20th with the Pirates and the Cardinals. So we'll replay Tim's interview, Tim Kirkshen, at 3.35. Next hour, we'll have Jim Miller, the author of the ESPN book, uh, came back to light, especially back in the spring when ESPN had uh, another series of dismissals. A lot of on-air camera talent were let go. So we'll get Jim's thoughts on that. And then to wrap up the week, we'll have John U. Bacon on at 4.35. John had a chance to join us on the show to talk about his project that he did uh, with the late, great John Saunders of ESPN, Project that was four years in the making. So that's what we have for you today here on the Best of the Steve Jones Show. And since it is a Friday edition, we are brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the Beverage Supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Got a stock up for the weekend. Great specials: Keystone Light, eighteen pack cans, ten ninety nine. Coors Original, twenty four pack bottles of Coors, seventeen ninety seven, and Goose Island Variety, twelve pack cans, fifteen ninety nine. Convenient parking, help you get everything out to the car. Easy in, easy out shopping. Get your snacks, other types of drinks, soda, water, fresh roasted peanuts, and yes, the the pickle bar is second to none. Over under how many times Jonesy was jonesing for a Brewers Outlet pickle this week while on vacation? I'll have to ask him that when he gets back next week. So get to Brewers Outlet, the beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. And you can also check out Brewers Outlet on Facebook as they keep that updated with specials and new products, microbrews that come in there for your refreshment needs. Brewers Outlet in Sunbury. All right, so we'll be with you till 5, and then the late-day news roundup with Sarah Benick, and then we hit Phillies baseball at 6.30 this evening as they start their weekend series with the Atlanta Braves. All right, a few weeks back, we had a chance to speak with Tim Frazier, one of the popular all-time greats from Penn State basketball, uh, signed a 10-day contract after 10-day contract with some teams, including New Orleans, and had a chance to stick with that team, and now gets to move closer to us as he's one of the newest members of the Washington Wizards. And we had a chance to talk to Tim a couple of weeks ago while he was spending time in Vegas in the NBA Summer League. Hey, great to hear you again, Tim. Always. Man. This is a business personified, which you and I have talked about before. Uh, were you in the least bit surprised that you were moved and to the Washington Wizards? Completely surprised. Had no idea. <laughs> but, you know, as we talked about, you know, it's a business and, you know, GMs make, you know, moves all the time. You know, they got to do what's best, what they believe is best for the team or, or what's the best for the player. And, you know, I think it's a win-win for both sides. And I'm excited. and I'm moving back east. I'm excited to get up to Washington and, and start the next page in my book. And not only that, stylistically, we know how John Wall likes to play. He plays a speed game. You play a speed game. Are you comfortable with that kind of fit, you know, with Bradley Beal, Wall, and then, of course, yourself? Yeah, I think it'll be great. I think it's a good fit as far as how they like to play. You know, obviously, John is one of the fastest point guards in, in the game. And, and I think that it'll be great for me to be able to learn and, and continue to, to grow my game behind another, you know, all-star point guard. You know, I, mean, I don't know how many people can say that throughout their years and their first couple of years in the league that they've been around behind all-star point guards, all-star center, you know, and had all those on their team. These, these are top, you know, 10, 15 players in the league, and I get to learn from them all. But as far as Washington goes, I think it's, it's a great fit for, you know, my style of play and how they like to play. 
between the Celtics, then the the Sixers, Portland, New Orleans. What have you learned at each stop that you think has helped you? I think the biggest thing is to, to be able to know your role on that team and, and try to master it. I think that's the biggest thing. Because like I said, oh, through those five teams, or those four teams so far, I've had a different role on every single one of them. And I think that's what, it, you know, it's, it's made me the player I am today is being able to adapt, be able to change the new roles and be able to, you know, help the team as much as possible. And, and I think that's going to you know, help me in a long way. And I've always believed in that and be able to, to, to know, be able to change my role. I'll even look back at Penn State. You know, I was my first two two years there was to basically get the ball to Taylor Battle as much as possible. Yeah. And right. then and then, you know, those five seniors leave and then I gotta step in and, and become some a different player and it, and it's helped and worked out for me. In reality, was it really two years before you felt one hundred percent after the Achilles of Penn State? Definitely was. It definitely was it after my fifth year. You know, I think when once I got into the D League and that's when I really started to feel you know, back to myself as far as explosiveness, speed wise and, and kind of just getting over the fact that it happened. You know, after that time it had been two years and you know, it's a major injury, serious injury. And you know, a lot of people it, it takes a while to come back, but I was able to do it. You know, it took some time, but I think that it kind of benefited my road in, into making the NBA and to get the NBA because I had to go through that adversity, went through a different path and, and it worked out. It's obvious you can compete on this level because people keep wanting you to be at that level. So that's an important part. But you've had a chance to play against and around some really good players. You were on the same team with Damon Lillard. Uh, in Portland, maybe people back east don't know as much about him. What made him special, and what was it like for you to learn from him? Man, it was we built we built a bond and a friendship beyond others, and, and it's it's been great. I was able to get there. I always tell the story when I got there, and I got into the locker room. Obviously, I'm excited. I'm like I'm in the NBA again. I'm in the locker room. He was in the locker room. Just got done working out, and you know, obviously, I, I've heard of him. All star point guard. He's done this 20 plus game game winner against Houston, and in, in, the, in the playoffs, so I, you know, I know being being from Houston, and I kind of just asked him. I was like, hey man, I'm not gonna get in your way. I just want to follow you. And follow your footsteps you know obviously you're on your guard and in a place that I where I want to be and he said if I can keep up then you know all for it so we end up building this bond working out together and I've learned a tremendous amount about him and we still spend all like since I've left Portland we still spend a lot of summers together I'm actually going up to see him his birthday's coming up this weekend so I'm leaving to go up there back to Portland this weekend Obviously, also had the opportunity to play with Anthony Davis down in New Orleans, and I think a lot of people may not realize his story. He was a six-one-six-two point guard in Chicago, and then boom, had a growth spurt, and he took some of those point guard skills with him as he as the growth spurt happened. What's it like playing around a guy like that, and what skills does he bring to the table that are just completely different than other players? You mentioned it. He's he's basically a guard in a, in a, in a center's body. And the the moves he makes, the floaters, you know, he's able to put it on the floor, shoot, pick and pop threes. And like I said, that was my first glance, you know, last year being able to start those first, what was it, nine, ten games. And the first three games he had 50, 40, 40. And, you know, to see that 
at first hand, it was pretty awesome to me to see that he's, he's a tough, tenacious player, a family guy, works hard, is in the gym all the time. And you know, I was able to build a bond with him as well and spend some time with him. And I think it's worked out and benefited me just trying to take, you know, obviously, like I said, he's a big and large body. So he has moves that I was trying to emanate and take from him. You know, we were doing the same. He was trying to take some things from me. And, you know, we spent some time together and benefited both our games. Tim, is something that you and I talked off the air about, but I want to talk about it on the air, and that's the grind of this season. When did it really hit you as a player about what a grind the schedule of the NBA happens to be? I tell you, I, you know, like I told you off there, those first couple games, you know, I was I was starting playing, you know, major minutes because of you know the absence of Drew Holiday. He had to take care of his family issue, but. You know, I'm 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes back to back. A couple of games, and I remember texting those guys, texting Dame, and and, um, and taking talking to AD. I'm like, man, I don't know how y'all do this for 82 games. <laughs> you know, I'm exhausted and playing all these minutes. Going and then, you know, obviously the West is is stacked. So I was going against guards. You know, every every other night, and but you know, I, like you said, you get used to it. You, your body gets used to it. I was able to get accustomed to it, and and end up working out. You know, and obviously it's a grind, but you love the game. You play the game because you love it, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, you would hit to like the second or third week of December, and you played thirty games like a college season. You still had fifty right. to go. <laughs> still have fifty to go, and you still have at least six or seven more back to backs. And but and I look back, and much as you can say I'm tired, and this is a grind, you look back and say, man, we have the best jobs in the world. Yeah, you know, we get to play on national TV, play in front of your family, you get to travel to all different cities, and you get treated like you know, like royalty. It's, it's really truly I'm truly blessed and I wouldn't like I said I keep saying I wouldn't trade it for the world regardless of the grind regardless of the injuries going through the D-League you know sitting out being traded all that is just all part of you know my book and my plan and my book of my life and it's been great you know what I mean I can't complain not one bit about it now that you have a complete understanding of it because you've been through it and it's been now years of doing it how do you treat the off season to make sure that you have a balance in life but also at the same time that your body will be ready for the next grind I think what benefited me the most was spending those summers with Dane and spending you know obviously last summer being in New Orleans spending that with AD and you watch those guys how they train how, how much time they take off how they handle things and I think I just tried to imminent and how I worked out obviously I'm in a different spot and I need, I'll probably work out longer or more than they have because of you know obviously the wear and tear they have on their body so they've been doing it for four or five years but you know I try to imminent and try to go away go the same way as they do when they start you know I, I want to be able to I want to already be already started go the same way and I think it's helped me out just being around great guys with you know have great foundations and know exactly what they need to do you know? so I think I just had that had just leadership you know you follow follow guys that are in, in positions that you want to you want to achieve and, and it's helped me for those who may not realize Scott Brooks is the head coach with the Washington Wizards have you had a chance to talk with Scott at all yeah Obviously, I, when, when the trade happened, he was one of the first people to call me, and we had a, we had a good talk on the phone for a couple minutes. And then, I, you know, I, I was I went out to D.C. for two days. I was still able to talk to him then. And, and I'm, I'm out in summer league now, working out with the coaches. And he's been out here, obviously, watching the younger guys play. So I, we've been had we've had many conversations every day, just kind of talking and, and getting to know each other. 
and and along the way, have you two talked about roles along the way where he thinks you fit in this thing? Um, he, he just he's just talked to me. He's like, we'll figure out roles, and like you said, everybody okay. has their own role. But for right now, he's just, we just been trying to get 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 to better, get to build a relationship, and I think that's going to build the roles and what's going to ask later on down the road when you have a bond and a relationship with your coach and your teammates. It'll work out. You know, obviously they want me to, you know, do what I what I what I've grown to be able to do in the league is to, you know lead teams, not turn the ball over, make shots when it's when happen, and push the ball and just be a pest on defense. How did Penn State set you up for all of this? The adversity. Like I mentioned, the first two years – and you know, and adversity and being able to change roles. Over the first two years, my role was different. That junior year, my role was completely different. Senior year, you go through tearing Achilles, and not to mention getting coaches after that junior year. And I think it's all prepared me. They've done a, they're doing a, a tremendous job. Coach Chambers and those guys are doing as well as Coach Chellis did when I was there. They're, you know, they built me and prepared me for what I was going to have to go through. And, and and it's helped. And you know, and obviously you go through these, these different things. You can obviously, when I was in the D League. I could always say, man, I'm just going to go overseas and make money or, man, it's too tough. I'm going to go get a regular job and, you know, I'll finish with two degrees, man. I can easily go do that, but for the love of the game and adversity and the drive that I have to achieve this dream, it's paid off. Tim, always a pleasure, always a privilege. It's great to hear My you man, on the Steve. other end and great to see you with the Washington Wizards. Thanks a lot for the time. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. I'll see you soon. All right. Look forward to it. All righty. Tim Frazier of the Washington Wizards. As we continue with the best of the Steve Jones Show here on WKOK, you can get in contact with us anytime. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle at stevejonespsu. Don't forget, after we're finished with the live shows, we drop the podcast on both iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, and Google Play by 6 p.m. Eastern. You can also hear the podcast at stevejonesshow.com. If you listen to our podcast on, on iTunes, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Best of the Steve Jones Show continues. We'll have some headlines next up with Sarah Benick, Weekend AccuWeather, and next half hour, we'll continue the Tim theme. We've got baseball talk with ESPN's Tim Kirkshen. Next hour, we'll have author Jim Miller. He wrote the book on ESPN about you know, close to five years ago and came to light again earlier this year after another round of big-time dismissals at the Four-Letter Network in Bristol. And then we'll wrap up the show at 4.35 with a replay of Steve's conversation with author John U. Bacon here on the Steve Jones Show. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK. True refreshment can come in many forms. But it can only be found in one place, the Beverage Supermarket. Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Along with their great selection of beer, including imports and microbrews, they have lots of water, soda, fresh roasted peanuts, and an unbelievable variety of pickles at the Pickle Bar. Look for great deals on wine coolers and your favorite snacks, too. Get true refreshment all in one place, the Beverage Supermarket. Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Steve's back in the chair on Tuesday. 
Sean Carey, we're here in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, and the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors, Kia. On the strip, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and our Friday edition of the Steve Jones Show, brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the beverage supermarket, Reagan Street in Sunbury. Not many more summer weekends left, so you need to maximize your time. And when you need that thirst quenched, you get to Brewer's Outlet. You want to get there for the beer specials going on now through Tuesday. Keystone Light 18-pack cans are only $10.99. Coors Original 24-pack bottles, $17.97. And Goose Island Variety 12-pack cans are $15.99. Grab your snacks. Other drinks, water, soda, micro-brews, fresh roasted peanuts, and, of course, the pickle bar, second to none. Yeah, you know the guy, the host of the show. He loves the barrels and the dills at Brewer's Outlet on Reagan Street in Sunbury. We'll be talking baseball in just a few moments with Tim Kirkshin from ESPN. Baseball tonight, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And we do have some baseball here as we go back in time for this day in sports history for July the 28th. 1991, Dennis Martinez of the Montreal Expos. He pitched the 13th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. Then how about this? On the exact same day, this day three years later, in 1994, Kenny Rogers of the Texas Rangers. He pitched the 14th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. And in case you were wondering, when was the last perfect game? In Major League Baseball, been close to five years. It was August 15th, 2012, by Felix Hernandez of the Seattle Mariners. The feat has been achieved 23 times in Major League Baseball history. Also on this day in history, 2002, 15 years ago, Lance Armstrong won his fourth straight Tour de France. And that's a look at this day in sports history. There's some Pittsburgh news to share with you over the lunch hour. A few hours ago, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger did some uh, interviews with the local media in Pittsburgh. And, of course, the big story that occurred after the Steelers were eliminated by the New England Patriots. Of course, the Pats would go on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, he has reiterated, Roethlisberger has, on the second day of training camp on what become what became a big storyline. The franchise quarterback seriously considering retirement and that his wife, Ashley, supports the decision. Roethlisberger says age. He spoke with Ed Bouchette, the Steelers beat writer from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ben says it's just age, 14 years in the league. That's a long time. I think the life expectancy in the NFL is three years, maybe three and a half now. I've been blessed to do this for a long time. I think it's just seeing my kids growing up. And in the off season, I love getting to spend time with them. And then I come here and football season just has to take up so much of your time. Even when you get home, I try my best to turn it off when I walk in the front door. I do a pretty good job of that, but it still consumes you in a way. Just all those things combined, being healthy, being able to play catch with my kids. Roethlisberger continued, I feel good mentally. I know this new study that just came out of 90% of NFL players' brains who were studied had CTE. There's a lot of scary things, and I think my wife would be okay if I hung it up. But I still love the guys. I still love the game. So it was right for me to come back and give it everything I have this year. Roethlisberger's current contract runs through 2019. Steelers' offense could be the best of his career this year. So we will see. And last year, Roethlisberger almost had a clean season. He was only sacked 17 times, at least in his career. 
and the news coming out yesterday of the uh, the re-signing of uh, left tackle Alejandro Villanueva was huge. So Big Al getting a four-year contract, a terrific story there in itself. Uh, We do have one other Pittsburgh story to tell you about. This isn't the Steelers. This has something to do with the Pitt Panthers. So, of course, Penn State fans will want to pay close attention to this just for the fact that Penn State and Pitt will play on September the 9th here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Uh, Pittsburgh Panther football has announced that senior defensive end Rory Blair has been dismissed from the team and safety Jordan Whitehead has been suspended for three games. Offensive tackle Alex Bookser has been has been suspended uh, for the opener. Pitt Panthers head coach Pat Narduzzi uh, released a statement on the disciplinary actions. He says our program's foundation will always be built on discipline and personal responsibility. These are highly disappointing situations, but I'm hopeful each of these young men will be better, stronger, and wiser after taking accountability for their actions. Alex Bookster will sit out the season opening game. He's also been subject to internal disciplinary measures and accountability. In addition to sitting out multiple games, Jordan will continue to be held accountable to internal standards of conduct. That's from Panthers head coach Pat Narduzzi releasing that statement uh, with the announcement that defensive end Rory Blair has been dismissed and safety Jordan Whitehead suspended three games and offensive tackle Alex Bookser has been uh, ruled out for the uh, game opener, the season opener for the Pitt Panthers. Steve Jones Show here, News Radio 1070 WKOK. As we continue our best of week, Steve's back with us on Tuesday following his trip. Uh, we will have no show on Monday because of Phillies baseball. The Phillies will start a four-game weekend series with the Braves tonight. At this point, Jeremy Hellickson still on the mound. In case any changes or trades happen between now and then, we'll keep you posted. Uh, 6.30 will be pregame, first pitch 7.05 with Scott and Larry Anderson here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So this will make her way into Steve's conversation with Tim Kirkshen from ESPN. We had Tim on uh, just before the 4th of July. Opening question for Tim was the all-star voting. Did the fans get it right? I think they did pretty well. Um, I think the American League, they, they got just about perfectly. I certainly didn't have any argument with anything they came up with there. Uh, in the National League, I would have had uh, Paul Goldschmidt as the starter at first base, but certainly not going to argue with Ryan Zimmerman being voted in by the fans. He's very deserving of uh, of being on the all-star team. You could make a case. He could be the starter. Uh, I thought they did really well. And just another reminder that you know fans are paying the freight here. They should have something to say about this. <laughs> and when they do as well as they did, uh, uh, you get some applause from me, certainly. Yeah, no, I agree with you all the way through. And the next part of this is that when you look now at the composition of the two teams, who didn't make it that you would have thought should have made it? Well, there are quite a few guys because especially in the National League, we had some really good players who got left off. I think Anthony Rendon of the Nationals was having the best season of anyone not to make it at an OPS well over 900, very good defensive player first place team type of thing but there were a bunch of guys Travis Shaw didn't make it Uh, we had several other first basemen third basemen in the National League just to show you how deep that position is and from the American League I don't think quite as many slights but uh, Logan Morrison was one that I looked at 
and wondered why he didn't make it, given his OPS is also well over 900, uh, way more than 20 home runs now, which is amazing. Uh, but it just goes to show you how uh, productive some players have been in this year of the home run. Uh, so many guys having good years. Justin Turner, people like that, didn't make it. Uh, and there's still one more fan vote to go. So maybe Morrison makes it, maybe Turner makes it, maybe Rendon makes it, who knows. Uh, but it's a really talented group out there this year, to say the least. Tim, you mentioned that answer, the year of the home run. It seems like there's been a pattern that a lot of times it's either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. Is that an accurate portrayal, in your opinion? And if so, is what are the pluses and minuses for the game? Well, yeah, it's an accurate portrayal, and it's been an accurate portrayal for several years. This is not the first year this is going on. It just happens to be what looks like it's going to be a record-breaking year for home runs. We're going to have over 6,000 of them. But um, I think there are too many home runs. I definitely think there are too many strikeouts, and there are too many walks also. There are too many plays in which we just don't have action and part of the reason is we have a generation of hitters who are swinging as hard as they can on an 0-2 pitch like they are on a 3-0 pitch, and they're just trying to get a ball up in the air knowing um, I'm going to be a very productive player and I'm going to get paid if I hit a lot of home runs. And if I strike out a bunch of times along the way, it's not going to matter, and that troubles me a little bit. And we also have a generation of pitchers who are here to throw as hard as they can, and they don't want to just get you out. They want to strike you out. And that's why we have so many walks, so many strikeouts, so many home runs, and in my opinion, just not enough stuff in between. I mean, obviously, you know, with with the work I do on Penn State football and Penn State basketball, some people don't realize I also do some minor league baseball here in State College. And I've talked to a few scouts because, you know, let's face it, July 31st is coming up, so they want to scout every level when they make a deal. And he was telling me that years ago that you know, they had to list an average fastball as 89 to 92. Now they have to list an average fastball as 92 to 94. What is that telling us about the trend in the game and specialization? Well, it tells you there are more hard throwers today than ever, which is why the strikeout rate is up and maybe why the walk rate is up also. And, you know, this is pitching like I know I've never seen before, especially the last few years. Never had this many hard throwers, this many guys that have secondary stuff like this, and this many guys with dominant, overpowering stuff. And yet if they miss their location and they throw – you know, even an overpowering pitch into the hitter's sweet spot, into the hitter's bat path, the one bat path these hitters have, the ball's going to travel. And believe me, when you're talking about an average fastball that maybe is five miles an hour faster than it was, say, 10, 15 years ago, that is an enormous, enormous difference. And that's part of this. Let's see how hard we can throw it. Let's see how far we can hit it. And that's how we play so much of the game today. Does that then make what guys like Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, what they do when they're seeing a lineup three, sometimes four times through, does that make it even more significant what we're seeing from them? Yeah, there's no doubt that the great pitchers of today have a harder road to a shutout, a complete game, whatever you want to call it, than maybe the pitchers 
of the 60s when you know runs weren't coming weren't being scored at this level home runs were not being hit and when you can navigate your way through a lineup today you are really doing something I remember Oral Hershiser once telling me that in the mid-80s, his prime, uh, against some National League lineups with a pitcher and some, let's face it, some pretty easy outs in there, uh, you could navigate pretty clearly. And he said back then, 130 pitches for a pitcher was the equivalent of 100 pitches today. The effort you have to put in to throw 100 today is like throwing 130 in the mid-80s. And that's why the pitchers who do dominate today uh, have have a slightly harder road. And yet, it's easier to strike guys out today because people are not, you know, they don't have two strike approaches. They're not choking it up and trying to put it in play. They're swinging as hard as they can. And then some of these pitchers are feasting on the over-aggressiveness of today's hitters. How do you feel about shifts? I mean, let, I mean, each sport has its own rules as to where players can and can't go. And in baseball, they can't line up in foul territory except for the catcher would be a balk. But how do you feel about shifting in baseball? Um, it works, and I'm okay with it because of all the numbers that we track and all the new strategies that we use. I think the shifts are the ones with the most positive proof that this works. This guy hits it over here. Just look at the charts. And the charts, for the most part, don't lie. Now, it it troubles me a little bit that we're shifting on so many players, even guys who are just up from the minor leagues. Um, but this thought that, you know, shifting is bad and that it's illegal and that it's taking away the best of our hitters, um, sorry, I'm not buying that. If, if, if you can't hit a ball down the left field line uh, because everyone's playing over on the other side of the field, well, then you as a hitter have to make an adjustment. So I'm not going to say it's illegal, and I don't feel sorry for any hitters. If, they're, if you're getting hits taken away on the right side of the infield, well, you're going to have to change your bat path and learn to hit it the other way. Not easy to do, not suggesting that. But you got to try a little bit harder rather than just, you know, stubbornly try to hit it through or over the shift. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that. Uh, July 31st is coming up. Without making a transaction, the Pirates, in the division where the leader is four games over 500, will get Sterling Marte back. Is that as significant an acquisition as somebody can make in this month? Well, it could be. It's possible, though, at the end of the month, somebody significant is going to move, whether it's J.D. Martinez or Ian Kinsler or Sonny Gray. Um, But with so many teams in this, especially in the American League, uh, there's a possibility it will not be a real big active trade deadline because there's so many teams out there trying to buy that last piece rather than sell. And having said that, these young GMs today are just super aggressive. They are relentless. They are not going to stop until they get what they want. But when you have a chance to win and you're the Twins, let's say, or you're the Rays and you weren't supposed to maybe be here and now you are, I think you have to go buy players, not sell them. And that's why this trade deadline could be very interesting and, again, maybe not as busy as we once thought. 
Is that now a result of the second wild card, Tim? I mean, now we have seen a body of work now as to what the second wild card means. Is this one of the dominoes of a second wild card because so many people think they do have a chance? Yes, absolutely. That second wild card has changed a lot of things, especially this year in the American League. Even though it's unwise to say, well, the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs, one will be the wild card. Um, that second one is so open to so many teams, even teams under 500. I think it changes everything. And even though the wild card doesn't make sense for certain teams because, you know, one game in and then you're out and you trade your best young player to get a guy to get you into a one-game playoff, you lose and you're done. Making the playoffs in baseball, you know, you have a chance. This is not the NBA where the Warriors lost one game in the postseason. This this can happen. The wild card teams win it all. We've seen it several times. So I think, yes, I think that's going to change everything, the wild card situation, especially the second wild card. Well, in fact, San Francisco, where the Giants beat the Royals, they both came out of the wild card to get into the World Series a couple of years right. ago. Right, and that changed everything. And, and that's why if you're hot going into October and you play a wild card game and you don't have to throw your number one pitcher, you can get out of that and then start the playoffs fresh. Sometimes it gives you a slight advantage. Now, we know sabermetrics are important to teams as to how they form certain ideas along the way. For you, which, when you look at sabermetrics, what's important to you and what's less important to you? Well, the shifting is important, as we said, because you can actually see that, that this, look, this is where the guy hits it. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about how we're all talking about, you know, exit velocity and spin rate on, say, a curveball. When I think sometimes, look, I understand how important exit velocity is, how hard you hit the ball is important, and that's what Aaron Judge is proving this year. Part of the reason he's hitting 325 is he hits it so hard that it always finds a spot because no can catch it because he hits it so hard. But (laughs) I still think we've gotten away from just actually – watching the games. And I remember when Don Mattingly was asked about Lucas Giolito's spin rate, he kind of joked, look, I don't have to know what a spin rate is to know that that's a great curveball right there. And our best hitters can see it. Our best instructors, managers, and coaches can see it. And it's just a little tool to maybe help the rest of us see it. But sometimes I worry that we're going too deep into these numbers we're not actually watching the games anymore. Which brings me to my final question. On a daily basis, what is enjoyable about baseball to you? Oh, just about everything still. You know, despite too many homers, walks, strikeouts, and homers, the game is still fabulous. I love to watch the athletic defense, especially from our middle infielders. I I do like to watch dominant stuff by pitchers. I do like to watch our great young hitters hit a ball a mile. But I will always say that defense is the thing that really, really gets me going. I just love to watch an artistic double play made. And beyond all that, I love still to wake up in the morning and read the box scores and, you know, (laughs) see who got four hits last night, even see who struck out four times last night. But the box scores are such an important part of the game and always have been. Uh, that's something that will always make me happy in the morning reading the box. 
Tim Kirkchin, ESPN. He will be in Williamsport in a couple of weeks for the Little League World Series and, of course, the Little League Classic at Bowman Field on August 20th for the Pirates and Cardinals. Next hour here on the Best of the Steve Jones Show, we've got John U. Bacon and author Jim Miller after the news on WKOK. City blocks of new Ford trucks. Over 40,000 trucks sold. SMC is where you want to be. Sunbury Motors Ford has over 110 new Ford trucks. And during July, they'll include a complimentary accessory package. With the purchase of any new F-150 through July 31st, receive a tonneau cover, molded splash guards, and window deflectors at no additional charge. SMC is where you want to be because they have the largest selection of new Ford trucks in all of central Pennsylvania. And that means the biggest savings. Take up to $13,500 off on new F-150s. And SMC has them starting as low as $23,919. Save up to seven grand on 2017 Ford Escapes. And they're slashed as low as $19,380. Explorers, Edges, and Expeditions have discounts up to eleven grand. SMC is where you want to be in July for this mega summer spectacular sale and the complimentary F-150 accessory package. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. F-150 accessory package valued at $6.99. Excludes prior sales and ordered units. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and WKOK.com.